Welcome to Easier, a podcast about making life and work easier. I'm Anthony Wagner, and this is episode number 52. Each Wednesday, we'll cover the best tips, ideas, and strategies for living and working more simply. I believe that when things are easier, we have more time for what matters most. This week, it's my follow-up post and information and research on work rules about why they are the worst, or are they, and all of the sources and content that comes along with this. The post this week is over 4,000 words long, which is huge, and I have a ton of information to share with you. So if you're ready, let's get started. I am looking very forward to sharing those results with you from my research about how work rules are the worst. So really quickly, what I want to do is go back through the um, kind of the highlights of last week's post, just the headlines, and, you know, cover what those were just to refresh your memory about what we were talking about. And then I'm going to share my research with you. And ultimately, what my goal was to do was to more or less, you know, in a well-researched and and solid source way, kind of prove my point that work rules suck, that we are living with rules that, you know, extend back 100 years ago, and they suck, and they are not doing anything to serve a modern workforce. And, you know, spoiler alert, I found that to be mostly true. In all of my research, I found a lot of concurring information with the hypotheses that I put forth in the assertions. So those hypotheses, just to recap, that overtime is counterproductive, that busyness and productivity are not the same thing, that busyness, overtime, and overwork are not badges of honor, that 40 hours per week is arbitrary, antiquated, and possibly counterproductive, that we don't take enough breaks or vacation. And then I asserted based on those hypotheses that employees should be expected to leave on time, to take breaks throughout the day, to use their vacation time, and that these things benefit both the employee and the employer. So ultimately, what I found is that, yep, this is mostly true. So I'm just going to kind of step you through my research and I'm going to tell you what I found and, you know, some of the history and things behind that to explain that if we're killing ourselves at work and our employers are expecting that, we're really not doing anyone uh, any any good. So the first point that I started to knock down was that 40-hour work weeks are largely arbitrary and we can be just as, if not more, productive with fewer than 40 hours. So a brief history of that 40-hour work week, and very brief, because there's a ton of sources on this you can find. I've got some referenced in, in the, the show notes, but the history is, is long, and it involves the labor unions, and, and Henry Ford comes into play. But basically, prior to the 1900s, employees were really expected to put in crazy hours, right? There weren't really any solid standards, at least not from a governmental perspective. Employees, it was common for them to put in 10 to 12 hours per shift, six days a week, and they were working a ton. And so as the unions got involved, they lobbied for several decades from the 1880s up until, you know, 1930s, the late 1930s, when finally the Fair Labor Standards Act was signed into law by Franklin Roosevelt. In between that, in 1914, 
Henry Ford instituted an eight-hour workday and doubled everyone's pay, and that was kind of the big thing. So both of those entities played a part in kind of shifting both business and the labor movement shifted the, you know, the expectation of work down from, you know, 60 to 72 hours per week to 40, right? They cut that down and they also extended the weekend by a day. And that's great. You know, you actually see, I've seen some kind of controversy where there are some inaccurate memes that say, you know, Henry Ford was the the beacon of this change. The unions had nothing to do with it. And that's not right. They both played a part in this. So that, what that proves is that the line about how much work is, you know, is the right amount of work and how much work should be expected, how many hours is completely arbitrary, right? If the line could move from 72 or even 60, but 72 hours down to 40 and productivity was still the same, if not better, then who's to say that we're at the right number now? So that's just, it's just to kind of take a chip out of this idea that 40 hours is like this magnificent, perfect number that we've had forever, which is not true. It's only been about 100 years. And also that this number was settled on actually for the benefit of the railroad industry. It's This was the number that they felt that the rail workers could sustain, and that number kind of became pervasive. So the number is not only arbitrary, but not really based on solid widespread research and also it's 100 years old so you know or you know 70 80 years old depending on what time you're looking at so my point here is that that number is completely and 100% arbitrary and then the next point that goes along with that to kind of knock down this 40 hour work week argument is that we are in most cases actually more productive with fewer hours so i'm calling bs on this whole thing that people are saying well if we cut hours productivity is going to drop and nobody's going to get anything done and things like that that is not at all the case i actually found a lot of concurring research that agreed with the idea that eight hours a day and 40 hours a week is not optimal so right out of the gate we're going to talk about how the, you know, think about your own work life. And if you don't work in corporate or in an office or your shifts aren't eight hours, think about the last time anyone, anywhere you worked, that you worked solidly for eight hours and felt really good afterward. Maybe there's the rare exception where that can happen, but you work solidly. I'm talking like no breaks, no time spent talking to coworkers, no time spent getting coffee or doing whatever eight solid hours, right? The point in this is that we are not working for eight straight hours. We never are doing that. We are only spending about three of our eight hours actually working. Let me say that again. Three of eight hours is really the amount of time that we're spending working. This is from a study from a platform called Voucher Cloud, which I'd actually not heard of, but they did a study in the United Kingdom a few years back. And what they found was that folks are definitely not spending eight hours actually working. They're doing things such as checking social media about 44 minutes a day to chatting with coworkers about 40 minutes a day to making food and hot drinks a combined 32 minutes a day and other things to chip away at that eight hour number, right? Where it's just, it's just unreasonable to expect that folks are working for eight straight hours. And then the next point here is that our brains are not even wired for eight straight hours of work. So I found an article on The Guardian, and it relied heavily on the book called Rest, Why You Get More Done When You Work Less by Dr. Alex Sujung Kim Pang. And in his research, in his work, he 
Pang discovered that historically extraordinary individuals, folks who were extraordinarily productive, and he cites people like Stephen King and Charles Darwin and Dickens and Ray Bradbury, they didn't work crazy hours. They weren't working eight hours a day. They were working a sustained 90 to 120 minutes a couple times a day with significant breaks in between, if not naps. We are not wired for eight straight hours of work. And I think that the expectation that we spend four, you know, four or five additional hours at a workplace not doing productive work is, I call it a hostage situation, right? <laughs> There's no reason to hold people there for eight hours. That's absolutely silly. And I'm really referencing folks who are making salary you know, who have a salary, not hourly people. I get that folks who are hourly certainly, I I think in a lot of cases, want to bring in that extra income. But for folks who are salary, this is not ideal, right? We are being worked for honestly no reason, right? If your productivity, if you get the stuff you're supposed to get done, if it actually gets done, then why are you still at the office, you know? And we're kind of sitting there doing button pushing and chit-chatting and coffee making for five hours a day. So, If we're not built to work for eight hours and we're not working eight hours anyway, why are we sitting at a desk for eight hours? And I would say that this has health implications. It has productivity implications. We're actually going to talk about those things, mental, physical health, productivity. And I found through my research that when we're not overworked, aka not sitting at a desk pushing buttons for eight hours a day, we are sick less often. Let me say that again. We are sick less frequently when we're not overworked. So I found from also from The Guardian and another source they they concurred called Sage People that there was a trial done in Sweden beginning in 2015 that proved that a shorter workday resulted in less sick leave taken by employees. So if you take that another way, right? The the way I said it was a shorter workday resulted in less sick leave, then it would stand to reason that longer work days are making people sick, right? They have, if they're working longer, they're taking more sick days, they're literally getting sick from working too much. And actually, there is a word in Japan, and I'm gonna pronounce this horribly, but there's a word in, J- in Japan for a, this phenomenon, karoshi, which translates literally to death from overwork. Yes. Seriously, death. People die of overwork in Japan. They work themselves so hard that they die from various things, including heart failure and suicide. And I have a business insider source that talks about that, but there's a lot. If you just search Karoshi, K-A-R-O-S-H-I, you'll get all kinds of stuff where the government is actually involved with trying to curb this overwork epidemic in Japan. And I'm not saying that it's that bad here, although in some cases it certainly is that bad in the United States, but what this goes to my point is, is that as we work more, we're being less effective because we're getting sick because we're overworked all the time. So why are we, and you know, again, going back to my other points that we're not wired for eight hours and we're not spending eight hours working, why are we still sitting in the office when it's making us sick on top of it? And then also, we're more productive when we're not overworked. And This one I think is pretty cut and dry. When we're not exhausted, we're more productive. I can't tell you, you know, I'm leaving my workplace now after an eight-hour shift and I'm just drained by the end of it. And my productivity is certainly not the same at 2 and 3 p.m. as it is at 
7 and 8 a.m. And I would gladly sacrifice those couple of hours at the end of the day for the sake of my health and productivity. I think that if I had more time to spend at home, I would feel more energized and refreshed. Uh, And this is, I think, true for lots of folks that we're not as productive when we're working so much. And then another piece here is that we're trading busyness for productivity, right? When we work more hours, our productivity is shot. And so we're stuffing the time with busyness. And the converse of that is that when we work fewer hours, we don't waste as much time. We have less time to get the things that are important done. Therefore, we focus and get those things done. Now, sure, I can definitely see how folks would still waste a chunk of the, say we went down to a four-hour workday or a five-hour workday or even a six-hour. Even though it's shorter, people are still going to waste time. But I think it will be less. And there's a lot of study around this. And people are starting to concur with this idea. So there was a source that I found from Inc.com that references this idea of, they liken it to working out, right? That they suggest that we need to work like we work out. High bursts of intensity for shorter periods of time. Going back to the research from Dr. Pong from his book, Rest, he talks about the same thing. Really intense focus for an hour and a half, two hours, or maybe that broken into smaller chunks, and then a good break and then return. So if you could do, let's say, two hours, an hour break, and then two more hours, and solidly work during those periods, can you imagine how productive you'd be not getting, having to go around and chit-chat and waste time and fill time and all that stuff? It's ridiculous. So I'm making this argument overall as though it's never been done, but that, in fact, is not the case. Shorter work weeks have already been tried, and they worked. Not in the United States, but across the ocean in Europe and in New Zealand, these these things, these shorter workdays have been tried. So in New Zealand, the firm Perpetual Guardian, they experimented by giving their employees an extra day off a week and then held their pay and benefits constant. And what was the result, right? So let me just refresh that for a second. They gave their employees a whole day extra off, meaning they were working four days and off for three and kept their pay and benefits the same. What was the result of that? That their employees were 20% more productive, meaning they did 20% more in four days than they accomplished in five days. That's insane, right? It just goes to show you that 40 hours is arbitrary and there's a whole slew of reasoning about why we should cut these hours back. The Swedish government also experimented with a six-hour workday and The trial results in an increased job satisfaction, happiness, health, and productivity for the staffs. There was a consequence for that experiment and that it was higher cost on the government as the firm that they were working with had to increase the number of staff members in order to cover the gaps for the shorter work hours. And that led me in my writing to a little bit of a tangent in that if your staff can be happier, healthier, and more productive, with the byproduct being increased expense, and we want to keep it the other way, less happy, less productive, less healthy, so we can save a few dollars, it would suggest to me that folks who are in charge in those cases are saying, I don't really care if these expectations are unhealthy. Let's save the money and overwork the staff. I'm not sure about you, but that message doesn't really fly with me. So I get that there was increased cost and we can't just invent money out of nowhere. But if this is better overall for your people, 
then maybe there's a way that you can work it out. So overall, I'm making the point that it is absolutely time to make the switch away from a 40-hour work week. It does not work, and there are still some additional reasons as to why. So the next is that overtime is counterproductive and that employees should be expected to leave on time. And I really went to town on this in my the rant that I've had so far that 40 hours doesn't make sense. And so the line where overtime begins is also arbitrary, but overtime doesn't work. So anything beyond 40, your productivity is taking a hit. But according to a recent study from the Aragon Institute of Health and Sciences, people who work more than 40 hours a week increase their risk of burnout sixfold in comparison to people who work less than 35 hours a week. In other words, Folks who work 40 plus hours increase their risk of burnout by six times as compared to those who work 35 hours a week or less. That's from cron.com. I also have in the show notes five additional sources on this topic because there's just so much. And I kind of felt like I'd already made the point that (laughs) if 40 hours a week is too much, then certainly overtime beyond that is going to be too much. So I didn't kind of rail against it, but I wanted to emphasize that particular point there about, you know, 35 hours a week or less being healthier. The next thing that I made a point about in last week's episode was that we should be taking more breaks. And that absolutely turned out to be true as well. According to Tony Schwartz, the founder of The Energy Project, we need, this is a quote from him, we need to purposely take short breaks every 90 minutes throughout the day to drink water, walk, or to eat healthy snacks. This helps us to align with our body energy's natural ebb and flow. That last little bit was my ad lib, but we have this thing called an ultradian rhythm. You've probably heard of our circadian rhythm where we, you know, want to sleep at night and wake during the day and that cycle goes on and on and I think it's to do with melatonin and the sun and all this stuff. We also have a rhythm called our ultradian rhythm and this is where our body, our energy naturally ebbs and flows on a cycle throughout the day. I think it's 90 to 120 minutes. It's just, There's a cycle that we go through and you'll notice that your energy goes up and down throughout that ultradian rhythm and what we are trying to do is we override our rhythms. We're overriding our body. It's like not getting enough sleep. We're overriding what our body needs and in not taking breaks, we're not doing the best by our body. So frequent breaks, they're restorative, they're good for your mental and your physical health, and they help us to be more productive, more creative, drive our, uh, increase our drive to complete our goals, consolidate memories, and improve learning, and all of that is from psychology today. Breaks are good for us, and they help us to be more productive. So if we want to be as productive as we can, we need to stop every so often and take a break. Really, every 60 to 90 minutes. I know that folks do the Pomodoro technique, and I haven't been able to really integrate that. I find that if, well, first of all, if you're not familiar with the Pomodoro technique, it's basically this idea that you work for 25 minutes without interruption, you take a five-minute break, and you repeat that pattern several more times, and then after, I think, the fourth, what's called a Pomodoro, that 25-5 cycle, you take a longer break. I don't really care for that because I find 25 minutes is just about the point where I'm really kind of into creative work or deep think and stopping to take a break after 25 minutes it's it kind of you know messes with my flow but I find that every 60 or 90 minutes yeah that's a better interval and I'm trying to see if I can integrate that and and do that more at work I really want to be better about that I think a coworker of mine today actually just recommended that I 
try some breathing exercises too during those breaks. So I'm going to try that. I've been getting up and walking and going around drinking more water, but I'm going to do those things too, including trying to time it out. So we should take more breaks. It's good for us. It's good for our employers. And we should also take more vacation. Vacation size breaks are also incredibly beneficial. And I kind of went on a tangent again about uh, work martyrs. And I asked in my show notes, have you ever encountered a coworker who believed the sun shined so brightly out of their butt that the entire workplace would fall apart if they weren't there? And the truth is that I worked with somebody like this for years. She believed that everything at our workplace would fall apart if she wasn't there to make sure that it didn't. She would constantly martyr herself out. I can never take breaks. I can never take vacation. If I can't take sick days or I can't take sick days and I'm going to come in and get everyone sick while I'm sick. Drove people, especially me, absolutely crazy. It was, it was tiring. It's like the whole world didn't revolve around her and she needed to take the breaks. And what happened to her ultimately? She was fired, right? All that effort, all that martyrdom resulted in nothing but her being terminated. Not because of that specifically, but my point is is that it didn't advance her forward. The place also, after she left, did not implode. It survived. So I had a charming little gif inserted. Uh, It's a quote from Abby Lee Miller from Dance Moms. She says, Throughout the show to all of her children, which is just such a charming phrase that she repeats, but in this case, it's very true. Everybody's replaceable. So that drove me crazy about about my coworker, but we need to quit being martyrs and we need to take our breaks and vacation. You're actually more likely, more likely to get ahead if you take vacation. According to the Harvard Business Review, quote, people who took fewer than 10 of their vacation days per year had a 34.6% likelihood of receiving a raise or bonus in a three-year period of time. People who took more than 10 days of vacation had a, wait for it, 65.4% chance of receiving a raise or bonus. That's literally twice the amount. Two times. It's a little bit less than two. Not very much less. It's two times the amount of, it's two times as likely to get ahead in your place of employment by taking all of your vacation. Take the vacation. Stop being a martyr. The next thing I will say is that burnout is real, right? Our workplace pressures to be constantly on and performing, even on vacation, is causing burnout. Your effectiveness goes down the more you work. You're killing yourself and you're going to pay a price at one point or another. Breaks are beneficial, vacation is beneficial, and you perform better and have a greater chance of getting ahead by taking that time. It's in everybody's best interest, your employer included, to take breaks and vacation. So this next point was interesting as I was researching. I hadn't thought about it, um, but I, it kind of came up in my research. And so I thought, yep, this is absolutely true. And this is going to kind of force, I would say are more maybe baby boomer era employers to adapt to a more millennial era thinking. Um, Millennials expect better expectations, right? Millennials do not love, myself included, right? This is me railing against it as a millennial who's smack dab right in the middle. I was born in 1990. Yes, I'm a baby to some of you, but uh, I was born in 1990 and 
I am smack dab in the middle of the millennial generation. I am not lazy. I am not afraid to work. I bust my butt. I get up at 4.30 a.m. every day to work on this podcast and other things before I go to work and work eight hours. And here it is, 8 o'clock p.m. And I'm working on it again. I'm not a lazy person, but I think that we need to be taking the side effects of this crazy work culture we really just need to be shutting it down. And this is the byproduct of the baby boomer era, which is the byproduct of the eras before that and before that all the way back 100 years ago. Millennials are not tolerating this. And from the research that I did, first of all, millennials now, as of right now, September 2019, millennials make up the largest generation in the U.S. labor force. That's Pew Research. That's the source there. And millennials are not going to keep putting up with these terrible counterproductive work rules. According to Forbes, quote, millennials know what they want. Millennials want more control over their careers and their workdays. They want to work for innovative companies. They reported that pay and financial benefits are important when it comes to choosing employment, but They also value work-life balance, opportunities for leadership, and flexible work schedules. Employees, especially millennials, who have the flexibility in their choice of employment are going to pick the company who's more flexible with them. That's even maybe at the expense of some financial incentive. Now, that's not going to be 100%, but what it is going to start doing is it's going to start forcing employees to compete for labor, and there's shortages all over the place, and millennials are not tolerating rigid, inflexible, antiquated work rules. So I would say that overall, that's a big incentive for people to start changing because if they want to hire a modern workforce, they're going to have to adopt modern work standards. So... What's the conclusion of all this? Two weeks worth of work, 4,200 word blog post, an hour and a half or so on the podcast. What is the conclusion of all of this? That better work rules lead to happier, healthier employees and businesses. I've pretty much beaten this point into oblivion. Antiquated work rules suck and they need to die. And that's actually for the benefit of the employee and the employer. When you have happier employees, they do better work and you have happier clients or customers, period. And whatever the client or customer is in your industry, that is who is going to ultimately be better served. If you are McDonald's and you treat your employees like gold, they then treat the customers like gold. Does that happen? I don't think so. If you are a school and you treat your teachers and administrative staff like gold, they turn around and treat the kids and the parents like gold. The reverse of that is true. If you treat your employees like crap, they become apathetic. They become indifferent. They refuse to go the extra mile. And these are some of the ways to get ahead. So I've had this kind of notion bottled up inside my head for quite a while, but it was really uh, refreshing to finally get all of this research out. This might be uh, a post that lives for quite a while, and it is massive, right? It is huge. This is a very big topic, and I think I counted there are 37 headings, meaning you know underneath the, the top line, headline, all the kind of heading, the section breaks with all the titles. There's 37 of them in this. So there's a table of contents. I actually installed on, on the website table of contents throughout the entire site. So that's another thing that'll help you navigate some of the posts on the easier site through the show notes. You can quickly get through things now because there are tables of contents thanks to this episode. So I should also add that the show notes 
um, for both last week, episode 51 and 52 are in the same article this week. So you've got at the top, instead of the player, there is a thing that says click to jump to episode 51 and click to jump to episode 52. So as you click one, it takes you down to the top of that post and there's, that's where the player is if you listen to it in the web. Um, and then there's a table of contents to help you get through and it's just a massive post. So I hope that this research is helpful to you. I hope that if you are an employer, you start considering changing some of your work rules based on these assertions and hypotheses. And if you're an employee, maybe you'll have a conversation using some of this research to back you up in that it's beneficial for you and your employer to work a little bit more healthily. So I hope that this has been beneficial to you. I have greatly enjoyed doing this research and I, I think that this post is going to be useful for quite a lot of time. So take this to work, take this to your employees, make some changes, and kill the old rules. And that's it for episode number 52 of easier. It's time for the weekly roundup. First of all, as I say each week, if you have any products that you're looking to buy on Amazon, anything at all, doesn't matter what it is, use my link easiercast.com slash Amazon to head over to the homepage and shop as you normally would. That will generate small commissions that come at not an extra penny of cost to you. And it just goes to help out the show. So I greatly appreciate that. If you have thoughts on this week's topic, on work rules, on whether or not they suck, and they do, so don't call it, I'm just kidding, Uh, (laughs) they do suck, Um, but if you have thoughts, please dial into the show, 313-242-7473, again, 313-BIB-RISE, to call into the show, leave your thoughts. Then if you're looking for the show notes, they're always at easiercast.com slash episode number, this week is 52, so that's easiercast.com slash 52, everything from today's episode is there, space to leave comments links to my favorite things to subscribe to the show to find me on facebook all at easiercast.com slash 52 finally as i say each week if you know anyone who would benefit from the tips i've covered in this episode including your employer forward it to them anonymously whoops please be sure to share it with them hopefully each share means that someone somewhere will find more time for what matters most to them as always thank you so much for listening and until next week here's to an easier life bye for now